Hello, Robert. Hello, John. Hi there. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Good. Um, welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about crypto-generated uh, art. No, Cri- that's wrong, Crypto-fascism. Uh, no, the, the podcast that is and isn't about design uh, from two kind of non-designers. Um, so yeah. coming at you live from the UK, the world's <laughs> fastest sinking economy and nation. Uh, all fun and games, isn't it? Yeah. I feel better now I've poured myself a, a glass of Adnam's Gold sh- Ghost Ship. Well, it, oh, nice. Um, it's it's all right for you. You're on, You're on a hill. I'm in the bottom. True, you are in the bottom, aren't you? Yeah. Is it uh, was it chilly in the bottom? It's very, very, very cold, and our um, our energy bill is just insane. We've got one of these smart. Have you got a smart meter thing? No, we used to have a smart heater, uh, smart meter, and then our supplier went out of business. Yes, I did uh, too. And then we haven't been supplied with a new smart meter yet. Oh, ours sort of just switched over and went like last month, just went crazy. And to you know, we've got quite a big house here, mm. and it's very inefficient. Um, even though we've got double glazing, we've had that all put in and stuff. It's just, it's so cold at the bottom mm. of this little hill. Uh, so it's, it's, it's edging 15 pounds a day at the moment. Well, we found that the best way to reduce your energy bill is to have central heating that's broken <laughs> oh. and, and not on at all. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we yeah. had, we had last week, we did the whole week without central heating on in the day. Um, but the problem was we went away for a day over the weekend and left it off. And it took three days to heat the house up. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? So it's actually better to just have it on really low, but it means yeah. that um, you're constantly paying for gas. It's constantly so, ticking over, yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, because we've got a big house and we're sort of shaded in the, the bottom of the dell, it's um, mm. it's really chilly here. So uh, yeah, the frost this morning was like an ice pick off the car. I had to get, yeah, I had to take the car in for a for its service, the old car, um, which is down right at the bottom of the valley. So I uh, trundled it down there and then walked the dogs back through a very icy, beautiful um, sort of edge of the South Downs, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're we're about, about five miles from the South Downs, but it, you can see it. I mean, and today it was absolutely amazing. The, the sun and the moon were out at the same time. It was, so it, was it a full moon last night? It was uh, near, nearly. It was very nearly. bright. Yeah. Lots of stars out here. You didn't get up at 5 a.m. to watch it uh, occult um, Mars. Oh, no. What does that mean? passed in front of oh um yeah oh wow and does that make a funny pattern or anything or just, no it doesn't happen very often but if you happen to have a good pair of binoculars and you can just make out the disc of mars rather than a red dot yeah then you can kind of watch that pass oh. behind the moon oh did you get up at five this morning to do that don't be stupid john <laughs> <laughs> no but i am woken up fairly early by blooming little black dog yes oh no boo boo well, yeah, it's all frenzy Christmas time here. Uh, mm. eight, Eight-year-old Christmas, um, bit insane, really. Everything's yeah. on high alert. Now you're uh, um, on the board of governors at the school. Are you uh, are you making uh, backdrops for the Christmas play or costumes for the nativity? No, my, mine is a um, is not an operational role, Robert. Oh, um, I see. Yes, uh, <laughs> we are we are merely auditors and. Uh, and monitors. I see. Um, so no, we do bugger all. I oh, know I did actually. I follow. I was. I worked on the bar at the uh, fireworks night where we raised <laughs> a load of money. We made well, that's nine, convenient. We raised, isn't it? raised nine grand. Blimey! I know that's good, isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, for a little little tiny school. Um, 
Will um, that pay the heating bill for the next two weeks? Yeah, we. Yeah, it, money is not good at schools. Mm. I will leave it at that because I'm not really meant to talk about it. But there we go. Uh, so what's uh, what's been occupying you this week apart from the frost keeping warm? Well, quite a lot of school stuff. Um, we're we're imminent for Ofsted, so I've been working on loads of stuff for that. Mm. Um, which means that uh, my work is I've been I've been doing a fair amount of work. I'm working on my own thing. I've made some decision, mainly decision making. Uh, I've written in my notes here, which is actually true. I started working on a Squarespace site for someone you know, actually. Uh, yeah, and I'm just thinking, why am I doing this? Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I mean, Squarespace. Lots of people use it. Um, it's a great way to get online and get a business, you know, idea or um, a cheap way of not having to get hosting and design work and mm. all that kind of stuff. And there's some really good looking stuff, but it is a very broad brush design. So, you know, if somebody wants to do something specific in it, it's very hard to break their, the way that they, you know, they want the page to look. Um, so you're kind of just creating very loose brand guidelines, really, um, and pouring in content. And it's really, it's not very satisfying. No. Yeah, so I'm kind of like thinking, and I I probably come on this every time we we meet up, but I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> uh, really, am I'm just a, I'm at rock bottom with that kind of with design. Really, um, I've started doing my own site, and then I'm thinking, do I really want to show off some work that's like nearly ten years old in some cases? Do you, you know when you're showing off um, portfolio work? Mm. I don't know. I really don't feel feel the love for it so uh yeah i'm in that kind of that that kind of stage um i've also we started early press as a kind of you know little sideline hoping that it might grow into something but because of certain situations and the fact that i'm lazy and haven't really pushed it that much it's just come to a point where i can't the admin every month is just way more than any kind of financial yeah. benefit for me. I think you do yourself a disservice saying it's, it's you know, partly down to your laziness because I don't think that's the case at all. I think we've been absolutely hamstrung by events, whether that's Brexit, the pandemic, you know, the postal costs. Um, you know, Brexit has, has slashed our market in Europe, hasn't it? It's... It's made it almost impossible to yeah. send stuff to Europe, and, and it, it, Europeans it don't want to order from the UK because they know they're going to get stung by customs charges. Well, this is it, and 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 the and the US nearly doubled their postage mm. rates at the end of last year, so they kind of came hand in hand. Mm. Um, and I know that. I mean, I use a lot of Hannah Muller paper. They're they're ex- they're expecting an eighty percent price rise. Which for you know for a roll of paper it, it doesn't put that much on a on a roll you know on a print, but it's just another yeah. nail in the coffin for any profit margin that I can bring to an artist. Because yeah. I mean personally, I own very very little, and I'll be honest with you, it's a um, it's pretty much a forty sixty split for all the print work mm. minus the production costs. But as the production costs just push into that figure. It means that both the artist and me just earn absolutely nothing. So um, by the time I've posted it, put it in a tube, I mean, even tubes now are a quid. Um, It's, you know, I had to do away with free postage, which was a real bonus for people in the UK. And and I think it really worked well. People love free postage. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so it's just I, I'm just going to stop it. I think it's just become a uh, a, a hump on my back. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a terrible a, a millstone. Let's yeah. use the let's use the word millstone <laughs> rather than being humpist. I um, get that completely. And then, so the decision is: Do I then just strip that back down to offering a print service for people? Do I just kill it off entirely and just go back to being Element Design, which I've kind of been working on as well? Or do I just kill it all off and go and I don't know, get a job somewhere? God forbid. Mm. But um, I, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, like in terms of um, career decisions, <laughs> um, whether I just try and push my illustration and see if I can make something of that. And if I did that, what do you, what banner do you, would you, you know, if you had so many silly little side projects, what would you do? Would you just strip it back to the bear, to the, to my name or how would you go about it? I don't, I mean, if I were you, if you were going to carry on, you know, being a designer at the moment as your, you know, your main income, I think your illustration needs a, a separate little home, doesn't it? Because it's a very different thing. Um, but I really think you should persist with the illustration because, you know, I, th- I think in any job you need something else to take your mind off it, to, to nurture that bit of creativity that you, that you need. Otherwise it's just nine to five slog, you know, and if that hobby <clears throat> and that thing that brings you a bit of joy can also bring you some income, then that's great. Yeah, I just think that trying to run the two together is, you know, it's impossible because you end up concentrating too much on one or not mm. at all on another. And then you just end up resenting it and looking at it in the corner being discarded and whether you yeah. just go for it. I guess it was a bit different for me when I started the illustration thing because I was freelancing at studios in London and that was taking up a lot of my time and I was the illustration for me really was an, an escape and it, it started really while I was, you know, in those spare minutes between doing jobs at people's agencies and studios. Um, and I guess it, also being a freelancer, you don't have the weight of that responsibility on your back of running a business. So you can't, you have got that energy to a uh, time to concentrate on, on bringing the illustration thing to, to the front yeah yeah tricky but uh i'd be sad if you um if you didn't pursue it because i uh i love the stuff you do oh that's kind that's very kind i mean i don't know i mean i'm a bit long in the tooth for a new career but um nonsense <laughs> i don't know i don't know i really yeah so i'm at a, again always at a crossroads but um i think this one i've really hit the uh i've hit the end of i think sometimes killing things off is a good thing. You know, you, you don't want to keep flogging the dead, a dead horse. No, absolutely not. Um, I've been reading actually the dice men by, um, or dice men by in Livingston, which was published by unbound books. Yeah. You, you got a copy, didn't you? Yeah. I haven't, I, haven't a, I haven't had a read through it yet. Mine got lost in the post cause Royal mail strike. We just got stuck in a warehouse. Um, so it arrived and, um, I've read it already <laughs> and, uh, I really loved it. I, I thought it was, a, it was a really interesting book, especially from a kind of business perspective, because it was so that, you know, for now, what is it? A three billion pound yeah. turnover company. It's something ludicrous. Um, and they're not, they're not involved anymore because they got, um, they got pushed out in a, mm. uh, in a, in a boardroom puts, but, um, you know, it was completely accidental. 
they had that amazing partnership. Whereas I, I think like, you know, Ian Livingstone was very much a marketing kind of salesman and Steve Jackson was very much the money man. Mm. And that really, really worked because one limits, you know, you've got this checks and balances going on, but it was also just utter dedication, you know, living in grim flats. They even lived in the back of their van for a while you know, they? while they were running the business. Yeah. Through really, really much grimmer than now financial, mm. you know, economic times, you know, the late seventies, early eighties in the UK was pretty pitiful. Yeah. Bleak. From that perspective, way i enjoyed it way more than i thought it would be just you know sort of like and then we met this and then we yeah, met yeah. This. but it was actually much more of a kind of this is what happened to the business every single decision that we made was kind of accidental oh, um looking then, forward to that yeah it's really good the only thing i'll say about the book the book is beautiful um it's kind of an a4 format uh, mm. hardbound but with a, a matte matte laminate i'd say a matte laminate cover with a gloss like a uv mm. over over the black illustration which is fantastic but the, the typesetting inside, it's absolutely awful. It's really like the line length is really way too long and the font yeah, size is that. really, really small. But all the bits inside it, you know, the images and the sort of the ephemera of tickets and little prints and stuff is mm. brilliant. And also it came with, mine came with a copy of their first newsletter, which was called Owl and Weasel, something like that. Oh, yeah. Before White Dwarf. And also a copy of Warlock of Fight Up Mountain. Oh, wow. That they've signed. I think I might have paid for a, a higher. Yes, thing. I just got the book. But I have to say that that's a um, I didn't. Re- that's a Robert Ball cover. Yeah, he did the whole. I didn't set, know that. Didn't that's yeah. great, and it's very a couple of years ago. I think they're very was. different to his normal art style. Um, have they kept the illustrations inside? Is no, Russ Nicholson. No, they're, oh. they're no disrespect to the fantastic illustrations, but yeah. that's part and parcel of the early um, fighting fantasy books. Mm. For me, anyway, but you know that's just. Although a, I guess it's a, you know, it's for a new audience now, isn't it? Yeah, but Kitty and I are going to going to play that. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I've got the original, but the uh, the PUR binding has become so. You know, when paperbacks yeah. dry out, yeah, every yeah. time I open it, another page another falls page out. falls out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's been on my desk, but that sort of got me thinking about you know businesses, and he and one of his advice was you know you just got to know when to kill something. Mm. Um. So there we go. That was that. Um, well, it will certainly be a weight off your back, but uh, I hope you can replace it with something else nice yeah, and creative. I'm John. sorry to let you let you all down. And, uh, no, 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 you haven't let us down at all. We we gave it a good go. Yeah, and yeah. it's you know, and it's not you letting us down. It's you know, we've we all bear a responsibility for for uh, how things have turned out. But I, I do think we've just been hamstrung by events more than yeah. anything else. I think in a, a different time, it would have it would have thrived. I think we've we're fit, we're over fifteen hundred orders that I've shipped yeah. in the last few years. Um, you know, it's not it's it's a very very niche business, <laughs> yeah. uh, very high end prints, print on demand kind of thing. So um, I haven't been left with any kind of stock or money. Mm. I mean, there's there's quite a few postcards and stuff, but they're nothing, they're nothing. Oh well, onwards and upwards. Absolutely. So that has been my desk. What's on your desk, Rob? Sorry for taking up so much time. No, no, no. I like it when we just chat about stuff, John. Well, today on my desk, I've been writing to my MP and the uh, Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport and the uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport about um, AI art. Mm. Um, because it's just getting crazy. I, I'm not going to go into it massively it's the quality of stuff that 
these AI software programs like Midjourney and um, Stable Diffusion or whatever are producing is still uh, kind of awful, but I think it's getting good enough to be uh, an issue. We're already seeing lots of um, uh, instances of illustration that would have been commissioned previously um, now being generated by AI software. The San Francisco Ballet has just done some posters using Midjourney, and uh, some online uh, magazines have used it. So um, I wrote to my MP to um, to try and uh, encourage them to put some protections in place in the digital rights bill that uh, the government are currently tweaking. There's an exception uh, about copyright law that. Um, removes any protection for artists uh for online data mining basically which Why? is no idea no idea at all but um mm. basically it means that if someone so if someone were to steal one of our poster designs from Ellie Press and start producing it we could take some action against them you know we could uh effectively we could sue them for copyright if someone steals my online work and feeds it into a art generator and produces something based on my work, I've got no yeah. comeback at all. No. Whereas if they then printed that out and sold it, they'd have the copyright on that. So right. it's crazy. Anyway, so that's what I've been doing. I got very annoyed about it. I posted a long, long old thread on Twitter. About Twitter? It. What's that? Hmm. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's been quite a bit of today. Um, I've also been drawing spaceships for a game. Oh. Designing logos and iconography for another game. Oh, cool. Which is quite nice. Um, some kind of futuristic, militaristic logos. Wow. And I'm just starting to get back into Insmouth. So I've started. Hooray! St- started writing uh, Insmouth Part 2. Um, so I've got... Uh, Moby Dick is on my desk that I'm leafing through for uh, little bits of inspiration. Put it away, Rob. Pin- <laughs> <laughs> Pinterest boards of uh, 19th century Whitby and uh, um, Boston and kind of all those kind of Victorian whaling yeah. towns. Yeah. Um, so that's quite nice. It's quite nice to get back into that. I guess we've got to just drown out the noise and mm. create your own stuff and just keep KBO. That's um, it. There's nothing, you know, I think writing to MP is a really good start. I'm, I know that it often feels like an echo chamber, but it is the best thing that if people just nag away at the, mm. uh, at the lawmaking process in this country, then, you know, we need protection from the internet. Yep. You know, children, it, the government know that, well, not the government, but, you know, the authorities know that children are in great j- danger from, um, from social media. Uh, from pressure, peer pressure, bullying, yep. all that kind of stuff, and then it, we need to have legislation now. It's not. It's no longer. A, it's no no longer be the sort of the wild west. Um, it needs to be. I think I really strongly believe that. And I, you know, I'm not a one for over legislation, but it needs it needs that. And it, we it need prote- we need protection. And all that people are going to do, all that businesses are going to do, is take advantage of um, any of these loopholes to generate yep. stuff that doesn't cost them any money. Exactly, but I think that it's again, it's just a, it's a, it is a big fad. I think that yeah, it will, it will settle down. I mean, if you look at how many, how many, how much about NFTs do you hear now? Uh, NFT art, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. The candle blew itself out, didn't it, with a little puff? I, yeah, I, I do think that. I, I think AI art might be a, a bit different. I mean, NFTs effectively a pyramid scheme. That was not yeah. ever going to work yeah. to a certain extent. But, but I think from a baseline, AI art will be useful in kind of generating scenes, backgrounds, ideas, that kind of loose sort of, you know, I was saying like the Squarespace kind of mm. algorithm of life, the broad strokes. Um, mm. But for it to be able to create something that a human could come up with, I just don't think we'll rely on it. I don't think humanity's cut out for allowing machines to do that. Uh, and I, I really, I really believe that. I don't think that it will come from creativity won't come from, from machines. I think people will be fooled by it and people mm. will be convinced by it, but I don't think you, you'll get great storytelling or. I think it's going to get good enough to, to take some money out of the. Oh, yeah. Economy for artists. Um, kind of thinking about how good it's got in the last 12 months, you know, at a glance, it's, uh, it's impressive, shiny stuff. So it worries me how far it's going to get in the next 12 months. But, um, I just, I've written this down here later, but it's like, why don't these crypto wankers go and work on something that helps humanity instead of rendering it in a kind of all consuming wet dream of corporate greed? Why not go and work on something that's useful and not just budge into, you know, an industry that sustains. Because they're capitalist dicks. Yeah. You know, it's that whole thing about just because we can do something. That doesn't necessarily mean we should, but tech bros don't understand that, do they? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to come back. I'm going to go on to this. So Adobe are particularly guilty of exploiting mm-hmm. this this space. And um, they've already had their NFT bollocks pushed into Photoshop, which is just – Photoshop is almost – for me, whenever I open it, there's just lag after lag mm. after lag. It, yeah. is, it is awful to use these days. But that aside, um, they've just – introduced content credentials have you seen this where you Mm. can uh, basically it's like a super metadata kind of thing where you can attribute your self to an image and then whatever happens to it it says it keeps you know the sort of the source because it's using i guess a blockchain type technology doesn't help if you can just screenshot it does it well OpenSea have already disabled this capability so they <laughs> um because they can't control the copying that's going on on their platform yeah absolutely mental and then two days ago yesterday um they just announced that they're going to allow ai art to be submitted to stock libraries yep shutterstock are doing that adobe oh, are, uh including ai image generation in a new version of photoshop but they've got so people were on Twitter write, discussing making writing tools that will allow the auto-submission of images and texts onto the yes. platform. So they're just going to be flooding these platforms with outer bilge. Someone talked about this in relation to ArtStation today. So ArtStation has like a front page, which uh, is, is quite a shop window for certain types of artists in kind of the game industry and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um and that is getting flooded because there are artists who've only started posting on ArtStation, uh, you know, weeks or uh, months ago, who've now got portfolios of hundreds and hundreds of works of AI-generated art that are kind of flooding the the marketplace. So that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get the jobs, but it does mean as a traditional artist yeah, you're pushed or off. a real artist, yeah, you've got less <clears throat> chance of 
you know, getting art directors' eyes on your work. Yeah. So it's bad in so many different ways. But art directors as well are going to be looking at, you know, how do we get cut through this noise? Um, and they'll be complaining about it as well, won't they? Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't benefit anybody. It benefits no. nobody apart from crypto fantasists. Yeah. Well, one of the things that keeps coming up on social media is wait until Disney's lawyers cotton on to the fact that people are feeding <coughs> you know disney-esque prompts into ai image generators to to do yeah. something because they're you know famously litigious and uh that could be the sort of thing that that you know brings an end to it but yeah, i don't know i don't i don't know i think the, you know it's it is the pandora box is mm. the lid is well and truly off anyway <laughs> we, we, we won't come back to that in the course no. of the episode but it's, i would it's, say one other thing that uh i had on my desk it was actually on a train. I read it. I've read a book, John. Aye. <laughs> I, uh, I went up to York a couple of weeks ago, and um, at the station I bought Andy Weir's uh, Project Hail Mary. Right. So Andy Weir wrote The Martian. Oh, okay. Uh, and this Project Hail Mary is similar in that it's, it's almost sort of procedural, you know, in the way that The Martian talks very specifically about how – the and, and it, Rob. You've not. It's no. very good, but All it's right. very, it's very. You know, he does this to do this, and it's okay. how he technically does all these different things. And this book is quite similar in that fact. It's this guy wakes up on a spaceship. And he's got no memory of what he's doing there, and his two crew members are dead. And gradually throughout the book, he gets his memory back mm-hmm. and realizes that he's on a one-way mission to try and save planet earth okay but it's really quite clever but it really reminded me of have you read uh isaac asimov's old robot stories no there's sort of a series of them the short stories that he did which were about a pair of uh investigators who were always sent out to kind of remote places to investigate why a robot had gone wrong and it always came down to some weird uh thing about asimov's three laws of robotics but it was kind of this procedural investigation into kind of why things were going awry. And this really reminds me of like a big extended version of that. It's a really fun book. It's very technical in places about lots about kind of material science and things, but um, it was fun. It was nice to to get back into the, the habit of reading again. Oh, is it, a, is it a chunky tone? No, not particularly. It's a reasonably slim novel. Okay. What was that it's called good. again, that book? Project Hail Mary. Jolly good. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, enjoyed it. Um, and another thing that I haven't done for a while, I get out for a walk finally with my camera. Oh, Four right. months since I was last out for a walk. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same, mate. I'm yeah. the same. And I was looking at it the other day thinking, why haven't you been out? I just don't know. Yeah. Don't know. What, have I read? what have I read? Let's see. Oh, I, I read, did I mention I read that I was reading The Dying Earth by Jack Bantz? Um No. Which is uh, I loved, absolutely brilliant book. Um, it's only it's really short. You'll read it in a couple of hours, mm. um, and apparently it's what Gary Guy. Ga- a lot of um, early Dun- Dungeons and Dragons was based on the kind of the ideas in there of these sort of super wizards going around okay. the dying earth. Um, it's basically the sun has become so big that the earth is going to die, and um, it's you're not never sure whether they're using technology or magic. Um, mm. And it's lots of little short stories. It's a fantastic book. Really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I read The End of Mr. Y, which is quite an interesting kind of 
sci-fi-ish book by mm. um, Scarlett Thomas okay. um, about a lady who's a researcher and she finds a book um, that she's been, that they only think there's a couple of copies in existence. And in it, this person enters a world, which is basically your mind using ingredients of a sort of potion that has been torn out of the book. So it's missing. And, uh, and there are other people looking for this book. So it's kind of like a whodunity sci-fi book. It's quite interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I've read, I've read quite a few books I've read. Uh, yeah. Uh, No, you get you showing off. Oh, I'm always (laughs) reading. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been reading a a lady called Sarah Hall and she is a kind of contemporary writer. I'd say she's sort of Ian McEwen style, Mm -hmm. but she's got quite a lot of, sci-fi ideas in her books and they're kind of um she uses sometimes magic realism so people might become animals um uh she writes really really great short stories i've just read one of hers about a sculpture the book's called burnt coat uh and it's uh yeah it's really really good it's about sort of um the pandemic and how it affected her artistic output yeah, really, really. I love a good short story. Yeah, I really recommend uh, her short stories. Um, Yeah, Sudden Traveller and Madame Zero is her sort of... Oh, yeah, that rings a bell. I haven't read them, but it rings a bell. Really recommend them. Very, very good. Have you been watching anything? Uh, Well, I finished Andor. What Um, did you think? I thought it was brilliant. Me too. loved it. I'm glad Um, you liked it. Yeah, really. It was just what I was looking for in the in the star wars universe you know yeah no 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 mention of the skywalker generation yeah i'm so glad that they've got rid of that i don't think they've got rid of it but they mm. they've obviously got somebody on board who really couldn't give a you know well it's tony gilroy isn't it so he was he <clears throat> wrote the i think he wrote the Bourne films right well so we kind of did speak about this last episode yeah. didn't we so sorry yeah. to bang on about it but, um, but so i loved it i absolutely yeah. loved it the art direction in it is off the scale good and yeah andy, not, andy it, circus i just loved him in it and there's so much to love about it isn't there yeah i'm gonna watch just, it again um, yeah. it was that good and i don't yeah. often watch things absolutely quite. fantastic yeah i loved it uh very different to that i've started watching wednesday this uh week on netflix which is tim burton's adam's family oh spin-off. yeah i did like the adam's family. and it's uh it's fun right. it's kind of a bit sabrina the teenage witch sort of thing it's All right. I got rid of yeah. Netflix. Oh, I, did you? I had some budget cuts. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got rid of Netflix and now TV, which is Sky, mm. basically repackaged. Yeah. Oh, I've been watching um, the rise, the the life and death of Colonel Blimp, British? which is an old um, 1943 film. It was yeah, um, uh, and uh, the the again the art direction in that is just that's weird. So I know different. the I know the title of that. It's one of yeah. those things that's just, it's in my consciousness, but I have no idea what it's about. Yeah, so it kind of turns it, it. He's sort of seen as a bumptious kind of reactionary old general, you know, not way past his time, not being able to function. But mm. it, it it starts with him being confronted as this, with this as a reality. But actually, it goes back in time to the beginning when he's just got back from the Boer War with the VC, and it goes through his life, and you find out actually he's not reactionary or anything. He's just a really well, he's just a lovely person and yeah. kind and. um yeah, although he does, you know, he does like to shoot a lot of wild animals, but um, that was the day. But uh, it was. But yeah, it's um, it's funny, and it's um, 
Oh, what are they? Powell oh. and Pressburger. Yeah, it's one of their films, and oh, okay. um, it's got it's got their hand handiwork all over yeah. it. Wow, looks um, beautiful then. Yeah, and it's got De- the beautiful Deborah Kerr as very mm. young, very young character. She plays sort of multiple characters who all look similar because he's still in love with the original one that oh, okay. met originally. So yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's on BBC at the moment, so uh, mm. it's a freebie. So oh, I really recommend it. I will do that. What have you got news-wise? Oh, I'll tell you what, we were talking about just one... Well, let's go into news, but this could be a news one. Um, you recommend this to me. Well, I saw it somewhere. Um, Studio Mate Steve, it's a new podcast. Yes. Um, it's a podcast interviewing illustrators about what's on their desks, <laughs> a bit like that, uh, what their processes are, how they got into it. And he's just such a nice person to he sit is, with yeah. for an hour and... Uh, yeah. And sort of meet different types. Uh, it's children's illustrators to start with, first season, I think. Yeah, um, he's going to branch out, isn't he? He said, but um, yeah, it's really enthusiastic and sort of full of energy. Yeah. It's really nice. But super professional as well. So if you're an illustrator or, mm. you know, thinking of going into it, you'll get some brilliant advice here. And um, all the advice I've taken so far is draw every day and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always, it's always good advice, yeah. I feel. Um, and the, the two standout episodes, if you're looking to have a quick look at it, is I think uh, Tor Freeman, the first one. She's yep. just so fascinating yep. and I love her drawings. And Claire Powell, which is weirdly, um, my daughter's loves um, Simon Farnaby's books that he's released about The okay. uh, Wizard in My Wardrobe. They're a series of time-travelling books, and she's done the illustrations for it. So uh, I knew her work already, but she's she's just a really cool person. And, um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, check that out. It's called Studio Mate Steve. Uh, the kind of social media um, has been a buzz of the last few weeks uh, with a comics uh, story, which is during uh, the first lockdown, so sort of early to mid-2020, uh, a chap decided that he would raise money for kind of NHS charities by putting together an anthology, uh, a comics anthology, by all the best comics creators around. So writers, colorists, letterers, uh, artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was Tales of the Quarantine. And it was about people, I think it was all kind of one or two page comics. So there's, I don't, can't remember how many contributors there are to it, quite a lot, but it turned out it was going to be a 200-page um, hardback kind of graphic novel anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those Kickstarters that, despite um, raising 37 grand from about 800 backers, has just sort of devolved into this narky nasty little thing of no updates uh um contradictory updates it's you know over two years in now and nothing's been delivered up until this week um and the guy in charge has been sort of promising people that it'll go out and and then excuses excuses appear about you know worldwide paper shortages and or contributors not submitting things in time or in the right format and it's excuse after excuse after excuse uh and rich at uh comic printing uk who we've mentioned before on the on the podcast i think uh he's very uh he's quite acerbic 
and he's very tenacious when someone pisses him off. Um, because he likes comics and likes the comics community, he has been relentless in the last few weeks chasing this guy for updates and trying to get to the, the truth of what's gone on. And no one really does know what's gone on. Updates have sort of gradually come out um, promising things the last few weeks and they haven't arrived. And I think yesterday the first digital assets came out, which was a 22-page version of a comic, whereas, you know, the 200-page hardback book should have, you know, landed on people's doorsteps. I think November last year or January oh or something. So he got funded and he's taken all the money. Well, I don't think he's, I, th- I think it's mismanagement and, yeah. you know, uh, rather than anything malicious, but it's, it's a, a, a real good case of how not to run a Kickstarter. Because I think if you take on something that scale, I think people are quite understanding if you tell them, Oh, this has been a lot, <laughs> you know, I'm way behind, really sorry. But he hasn't. He's sort of lied about what's going on, and and it's just been a disaster. And he's taken to kind of putting really quite nasty posts on social media and limiting who can reply, and posting on Instagram about certain things and not having and having comments turned off. And it's you know it's like a PR disaster, right? Like awesome merch. Yes. Yeah, but worse than that, I think, really. But yeah, uh, yeah. but it's been really interesting and. Uh, Richard, Comic Printing UK, has been uh, a bit of a hero, really, in trying to get to the bottom of it, uh, and very funny with it. All right. So definitely worth having a look at his uh, Twitter feed for the last couple of weeks. What's going on with Twitter? You're back on Twitter, is that just because you Well, I haven't haven't left. I haven't left. He hasn't left, everybody. He's not gone. (laughs) But is that because it's just a wide voice and allows you to, like, you know, if you're going to start, getting a campaign together and pushing about AI legislation, do you feel that that's the voice that you have, the biggest way you can Absolutely. speak to somebody? Yeah, it's still, you know, my biggest audience is yeah. Twitter by a, a million miles. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. I, th- I also think because I use Tweetbot as my main method of seeing Twitter, which allows you to do away with sponsored posts or seeing adverts or seeing suggested posts and has really powerful kind of mute and block facilities using that you don't see all the rubbish that a lot of people complain about twitter have you used it on an ipad tweetbot yeah uh yes oh i i installed it i hated it i I think it takes a lot of getting used to particularly if you've um used the twitter yeah but i've used it for well, maybe since version two, and I think it's on version six or seven now. So I've been mm. using it for a long time. Okay. Well, maybe I'll give that a go, but yeah. Yeah. But uh, yes, so I am still on Twitter. I still post a Mastodon. Hive Hive came out and uh, and garnered, you know, loads of love really quickly, but always seemed clunky and slow to me. And that's, I don't know if that's still offline. There was a massive sort of data issue, security <laughs> issues with that. Yeah. Um, so that's, no one's using that now. Oh, who'd want to create one of these? There's another one, isn't there? I saw a called Post that they yes. can sign up for beta. No, I don't want to. Um, no. No, lots of people are moving to Substack. Um, mm. 
and newsletters, which is nice to get newsletters. But yeah. the problem is when they land in your inbox, it's never, at the, right, it's never at the right time, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. And Twitter is a brilliant format for for scrolling and seeing interesting stuff, you know. Yeah, you're right. I know. I know um, it just stresses fan, me out. Uh, I know. 3D printed press. This Ooh. is cool. The open press product project, they're called. Um, you can download or buy off them because they'll print it for you. A tiny miniature printing press um, that you could put Lino under or, you know, um, Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and it is just the coolest little object. I think it's a really cool little, um, present that you could get some, somebody if they're yeah. into 3D printing. I mean, obviously they, they make the, the print if you want to. I don't know how much it is, but, uh, I just think that's really tempting to, to buy it. And oh, so you can buy the, the STL the, files. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you can either print it yourself. I think it's free to print. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, open press project, yeah. Yeah, or you can buy a little press. Uh, how much That's is that? lovely. Uh, 130 quid. Okay, less um, lovely. Um, but it's very nice. Yeah, very, very cool. That seems quite a lot for something that could only print. No, no, no that's the printed one, I think. Yeah, yeah. It still seems quite a lot for something that size. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, any kind of press is quite expensive. Um, uh, Pooley Press, they make a... An A5 press, that would be, that would be a couple hundred quid. Would um, it? Okay. Yeah, their A4, I've got their A4 one, that was 250 quid or something like uh, that. Okay. I mean, if you get, a, if you want to roll a press, then you're looking at thousands. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's It's done. very nice. And, yeah. uh, does it come in orange, did I say? Well, you can print it in any you color print you it like. in any color you want, can't you? Yeah, of course yeah. you can. Uh, very cool. So that's open press project. So go and have a check that one out. They, very nice. They're, like they're involved lot. in all kinds of indie printing. Um, and they're very cool dudes or dudettes. Um, R.I.P. Um, I'm going to say goodbye. And I'm going to mention this for one reason. The last Dam Buster, um, Johnny Johnson, uh, who was one of the bomb aimers on the uh, Dam Buster missions, um, uh, which were uh, used the bouncing bomb, Barnes, old Barnes Wallace from yep. over your neck of the woods. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say this is a design story because World War Two planes. Um, mm. And my question is, why are they still seen as such beautiful objects? And should they still be beautiful? Um, yes, they should. Be. That's it, isn't it? It's kind of weapon of war if it be a beautiful yeah. thing. But yes, they, they can. I'm going to get but, down my... Oh, what uh, is it? Is it a mosquito? It's a mosquito. Oh, that. Beautiful. That was really enjoyable. And my um, my father-in-law's dad uh worked mm. on this um the photo reconnaissance one. Oh, wow. he was uh, an engineer on, in gibraltar is that on, your favorite on, on the plane of the era yes yeah yeah um but the lancaster was uh, an absolutely astonishing bit of design from from the manchester which was the one before it twin engine which was an absolute disaster was it yeah yeah it was um it, the engine was terrible and it failed and lots of crews died, unfortunately. Um, they only ever made 200 of them or something. But the Lancaster was just a piece of, well, historic design. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, that was he was 101. So it really is a an ending of that era, really. It is, isn't it? It, it feels like we're looking out into not much, uh, not much goodness in the world. Mm. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, I just wanted to say RIP to you. Yeah. I wish Mark I had Tony some good. Johnson. I wish I had some good news to share. Well, there's a new, there is a new Leica. Have you seen the Leica camera? Yes. 
How nice is I that? Have. It's very nice. That is a big camera lens on <laughs> mobile. When you say a Leica camera, it's a Leica phone, isn't it? Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Well, it's um it's not as expensive as I thought it would be. Uh you can only get it in Japan. It's fifteen hundred dollars price tag. Which you know, it sounds a lot for a phone, uh, but most apples well, are nearly up there. Quid, yeah. um, but it is a Leica that normally doubles the price, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it even it has a lens cap, just to be know, utterly ridiculous. But I really like that square, you know, sort of um, camera-like aesthetic about it. It's really nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's only an Android phone at the end of the day, mm. isn't it? but um, it's still nice. I still want one because it's a Leica. It's got a, a one-inch sensor, hasn't it? It's massive. which is just gigantic. <laughs> What's the sort of focal? Oh, focal I, I think it's 19, only got one. Yeah, nineteen mil. It's oh. a, just a wide, wide angle. Slightly, is it one point nine? One point nine. Yeah. Right. So okay. Pretty, so it's pretty quite quick. fast. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll do it? Do you good? I mean, with that size, you're not going to get a huge amount of noise on those images. No. Are you? Um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. nice. But you'd have to. You'd then have to use Android, and I would never speak to you again. No. True. <laughs> I'd uh, excommunicate myself. That's job. <laughs> Um, what have I got? Oh, I've got a really nice, um, we've missed this Kickstarter, unfortunately, because you, uh, you went on holiday and then we're ill. Sorry about so that. So was I. No, um, there's an RPG from the eighties called Paranoia. I don't know if you remember this RPG. Yeah. I absolutely loved this. And, um, I've written in my notes here. Um, this was my favorite RPG when I was about 16, 17. Then my new cool friends told me they didn't want to play games with me. So Mm -hmm. I didn't for about 30 years. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, basically this is set in a, in a not too distant future where you are a, um, you're living in a sort of underground. So basically nuclear war has, uh, devastated the world and you're trapped in an underground city that is controlled by a computer AI that has gone completely mad. And you're living in this kind of dystopian, fascist uh society but you are a clone so there are six of you i think six maybe five of you it encourages the dungeon master to or the games master to be utterly horrendous to you so that you can be killed so even in your first game you could be killed three or four times and you get killed for all sorts of transgressions like uh asking questions that are, are above your security clearance um it's huh. just and it is just hilarious um you've obviously got to play with people who uh aren't cool kids uh no who will sort of give in to that kind of uh i don't know don't mind being killed off and don't get angry about it um, yeah but it is an absolutely brilliant game so they've re- they've remade it because they had a, an edition came out a few years ago and it really ruined the essence of the of the game apparently i don't know okay. it's being produced by an english publisher based in swindon uh in wiltshire and they're called Mongoose Publishing. Um, so it's really great to see a small indie publisher get such a big IP. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I encourage you to go and buy it, even though it's it's finished the Kickstarter now, but you can just buy the book. Um, and I think you can just probably buy a digital copy. So cool. Yeah. Go and buy it. It's mongoosepublishing.com. Nice. Looks good. Yeah. And I love the art in it as well. Really <laughs> the good. art looks great. Yeah. Uh, did you see this uh, Tumblr thing that they created, this Goncharov? Uh, yeah thing. well it's one of those things that i saw read a bit thought oh okay i kind of get it and yeah. then didn't read any more 
Yeah, same as me. I just had it in my list of things, but it's great, isn't it? That they've, it's almost like a made up film, uh, starring, uh, Robert De Niro and made by Martin Scorsese in what, 73, is it? Something like that. But people have been making posters and music and all sorts of things to kind of build the history of the fact that this, um, existed as a film it's it's kind of taken off a lot as well because a lot of celebrities and actors and other directors have got in on the act oh, really? talking about how you know how i first saw goncharev in uh, <laughs> in, a, in an art cinema in uh, soho yeah. in 78 uh, or something letterboxd who uh, which is a really good social media site yeah. and film um they've had be- just constantly trying to remove uh, references to it <laughs> from databases i do think that's a really weird thing uh the kind of reviews of things that don't exist like yeah. TripAdvisor is full of reviews for places that don't exist you oh know, really you could there are reviews of the outlook hotel from the shining in there <laughs> or from wes anderson's really? uh, grand bucharest hotel budapest hotel um well i just think it's hilarious yeah i mean the klf were no- notorious for that they they put yeah. out a load of singles in finland didn't they of like heavy metal bands and made up all sorts and released them into the charts yeah (laughs) they never never ever existed yeah i love that i love that kind of made up ephemera that becomes part of culture so well done tumblr it's always been a great great site for that kind of creativity there's a name there's also a name for kind of an associated thing isn't it where people Rem- misremember something that doesn't exist so they're convinced oh like yeah an and then episode. it becomes something yeah and everybody really else it. kind of remember it yeah there's a there's a famously there's an episode of a tv show i think that people kind of misremember or a, a film starring someone that people remember and they you know they even remember the poster and and it and it doesn't exist i find that kind of thing fascinating yeah i don't know what that's called no i'll dig that out and put it in the show notes um you've got another role-playing game there oh yeah well rivers of london which is um ben aranovich uh his novels about a, a policeman in london who um discovers that he's a practitioner of magic really really great books made a role-playing game mm. called uh, rivers of london the role-playing game um and i think the printed version of that is coming out in january february of next year but you can actually download that i think now um, yeah i think so 30 quid it's drive through rpg.com. Um, and I think that would make, I've talked about it being a really good game sort of universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that would be a great RPG to be, to play a copper who's got to go and investigate stuff. It's sort of got that call of Cthulhu kind yeah. of, uh, detective vibe about it. I think that would be really, really good fun. I think it's built on, um, oh, it's a lot- built on call of Cthulhu. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. Um, well, what, what do I know about stuff? <laughs> um, getting to, into designy stuff, rubbish, rubbish thing here. This is like, this is called fontjoy.com and I just didn't get it myself. Mm. Um, so it's an AI thing, I'm afraid. Well, of course it, it is. Uh, it's font pairing made simple. Um, generate font combinations with deep learning. I think they're mm. using deep learning rather God. than AI. It's terrible. Uh, you press the random generate button. Nothing looks good together. All they've done is kind of it's just random. Loose. Yeah, it's just literally like if you randomly chose oh, a font yes. and a heading. Um, I don't know whether they haven't trained it or anything, but surely, surely we don't need this to, uh, you know, designers randomly choose <laughs> typefaces. I, I can design- make a mess of typesetting myself. Uh, yeah, but most 
designers use, you know, unless you've got an unlimited budget, you kind of use fonts that you're comfortable with quite a lot over and over again. Um, and you know what works well together. So you don't really need a tool like this that is Mm. in itself completely useless. So yeah, I think this is a, this was just me finding something that AI is just absolutely rubbish at. (laughs) Maybe that should be a, a, a thing each week. Yeah, just can we find, find something? something that AI is absolutely <laughs> terrible at every uh, week. So uh, there's somebody called Lex Lofthouse. I don't know if they're doing this on Twitter, but I saw this on um, Mastodon. Uh, they are loftio at typo.social. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, Mastodon's addresses are ridiculous. They are. Um, but they are doing a December daily UI challenge. And I know we're a few days into it, but it's really, I really like this. It's um, just basically basic. Um, user interface elements. So for example, a list or a radio list or whatever. Um, and can you come up with new designs? Just spend a little bit of time. So it's a bit okay. like a, a kind of Inktober-y thing, yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, but it's UI design. So, um, yeah, nice I'd mention that. So if yeah, you want to yeah. go do some, some of that, it's Lex Loft House. You need to look up Lofty at Loftio. I'm sure they are. Lex sounds like a lady's name, but it might not be. I'm sorry about that. Um, you try Twitter saying well. that to Lex Luther. Oh yeah, sorry, Lex. <laughs> yeah, crypto chances. I think is definitely going to be the title of this episode. Yep, I think that works for me. Um, have you got a website of the week? I haven't, John, but oh. I noticed you have. Yes, I have, and this um, is a friend of the show. Um, well, somebody I really love all the work they've ever done. Uh, Phil Gifford or Guyford. Mm-hmm. Um, they made the the sort of the Samuel Peeps a Day website yes. years ago, um, which they're bringing back apparently. But um, they are now back into making websites. It just make he just makes really cool things. Um, little you know, really cool little product products. And this one is uh, everyone's getting back into blogging. Um, so he's created a directory of blogs that he's sort of uh, he's curated. So because cool. you were hunting for what was that you were going? What was that blog about? Um, There's a yeah, about, I used to read about a, design studios or whatever a workspaces. Yeah, you'll yeah. find it in here. Yeah. So that is oo.directory. That's great. I like yeah. that. A directory so, of blogs. Yeah. So get, get yourself off social media. It is a pustulant sore on the bottom of Beelzebub. And get over to oo.directory <laughs> and start looking at some old-fashioned blogs. See what cool. see what happens. Just adding that to my favourites. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Brilliant. So we'll, Love that. Uh, and that is all. I have a pie. I have a pie. I also notice you've been drinking a, a glass of red wine there, John. Yeah, yeah. I've got a bit yeah. of a tickly, tickly old throat, Rob. So I thought oh, is it nice red wine or Benelin? <laughs> it's, uh, yes, Chateau Benelin. Oh, yeah. What uh, have you I've got? got? I've got a Higgedy pine nut and f- spinach. Feta. I've had that yes. one before. It's not that bad. Um, yeah. I've had, because out of theirs, they're not normally that good. There was very little to choose from in my local Sainsbury's. It's very mushy. Um, it smells all right. So just excuse me one moment. Tasty enough. It's a strange consistency. <laughs> you mm. don't look very happy. Well, it's the consistency. It's it's very um, homogenous. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, been yeah. a while since I had that one. Um, yeah. The top's that. nice. It's got, you know, crunchy bits of pepper and stuff on top. But Their pies are never pleasing. Five and a half. Yeah. Well, that's low for you. That is. is low. It is. is. It's really you know, it's acceptable. <clears throat> well, I can you hold it up to the camera? I just have a look. Mm. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, stuff of nightmares. Yeah. yeah. 
veterans. I, I had that before. I didn't mind it. Though here's my one. Oh, festive. It's a festive one, Rob. I thought you'd have a mince pie. I I nearly did. Nah. So I'd already eaten. So, but this is quite a big mince pie. Mm. Um, it's from my local bakery, Loaf Bakery in Four Marks, and um, it's uh sh- short crust. I mean, you know, they need to roll it out a little bit thinner because it's more like shortbread. It's got a nice bit of sugar on the top, which I like. Oh, crunchy! It's a couple of days old. Are you a, typically a fan of a mince pie? But I never eat them outside December. That's like that's like feeding a gremlin after midnight. <laughs> I could eat them all year round. Similarly with um, hot cross buns. Oh my god! Is that is that good? Oh my god! No, it's terrible. Why are you? I mean, what? why are you eating hot cross buns? Oh, I see. I see. I thought you were referring to your mince pie. <laughs> You'll be telling me you have strawberries in December next. Always. <laughs> um, yeah, quite good. I mean, the, the pastry is way too thick. So it is literally like a piece of um, like Scottish shortbread yeah. uh, biscuit. But, um, you know, I love a mince pie. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's all I can say. <laughs> Here he is. He's not a Grinch after all, everyone. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the kind of the Eccles cake style puff pastry mince pies? Are you um, a fan? No, I like, I'm traditionally, short I like crust. short crust all okay. the way. I don't mind them. Had someone, yeah, that's that's a good one. Not the best one I've had this year. Best one so far is... um. Had a Sainsbury's brandy one, which was, you know, full of booze. I think, you yeah. know, the more booze you can put in it, the better. Um, as long as I'm drunk from about the 10th of December all the way through, mm-hmm. I can What's just about today? bear Christmas. The 8th. Yeah. So okay. Saturday, Good luck. Saturday, I would just be, yeah. So I don't have to um, deal with, you know, family and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> this is getting bleak. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, max out of ten was. Did you give it a mark out of ten? Oh no, I didn't. Um, it's a six. A solid a six. mince pie. Perfectly mm-hmm. acceptable. Uh, too big, too thick, uh, but not bad. It kind of sounds like me. Qu- quite expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, six six of them, nine pounds fifty. Oh, I know. A bit heavy, yeah, isn't it? That is a bit. Yeah. You're thinking like maybe three quid is what I thought, but you know, yeah, I think they've got to feed themselves. True. True. Ah, well, we're, I think we're at the end. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what's up for the weekend? I think probably mainly working, but that's fine because I'm kind of into the these little jobs I've got on at the minute, the kind of concept art for these games, really enjoying it. So I'm just going to... Do you think we'll get to meet up before well, Christmas well, or maybe in the new year for a little, let's, let's try a little a, pie visit? Let's try and meet up before Christmas. My wife actually went to a pub Wisley, the, Wisley? Uh, yeah, yeah about halfway between the houses yeah. there's a pub up that road there okay she said they did brilliant pies oh there you go let's go it's there on, it's all on a river oh, oh do you know I've heard about that pub my mother-in-law has mentioned that pub alright yeah yeah let's go there let's go there we'll meet I'll see you there yeah leave, leave now right, okay. I'll be about an hour and a half right you are alright <laughs> brilliant alright John bye ta